Welcome everybody to our uh, newest series, our new Thursday night series on to judge or not to judge. <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> um, it's, it's a book by Ken Wabnick. We'll be looking at that um, a little bit later in the class. First, I wanted to uh, frame on the chart um, uh, to this whole idea of judgment, what, what, what judgment is all about, where did it start, Ken actually gets into that in the first part of the book. But I just wanted to put it on the chart so we get an idea in our awareness of what's going on with it. So <clears throat> we're all familiar with uh, the tiny med idea of separation if we've looked at the chart <laughs> at all. <laughs> it begins to uh, um, dawn on us that that's that wasn't actually the problem when we seemed to step outside of heaven and played with the idea of being separate from each other, from God, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, etc. The problem was when we took it seriously. But one of the ways to look at any topic we're covering in the course that's an ego-based topic, in this case judgment, is to look at it from the point of view of the tiny mid idea of whatever it is we're talking about. In this case, it's the, I get it up there. It's the tiny mad idea of judgment. The, the tiny mad idea that we could actually separate, separate in a moment at all um, and consider the idea of separation, not just separation, but that one part of separation can judge, look at, choose between another part of separation. In order to have judgment, you have to have duality. You have to have one thing judging another. So it was the tiny mid idea that, that that was even possible. There's no judgment in heaven. There's no justice in heaven. There's no reason for justice in heaven. Whatever the experience of oneness is, it does not include injustice. It does not include judgmental, judgmentalness, judgment period. Of course, talks about judgment, judgmental, judging about 500 times. It's a pretty hot topic in the course. And certainly if we look at it from the point of view of, uh, of the chart, you know, it becomes one of those fundamental issues to judge or not to judge, to believe that I could actually judge or not judge, that that experience is even possible. So we step outside of him and then we play around with duality. We play around with one seeming separate thing, judging another seeming separate thing. In this case, it's the insanity of judging whether I even want to step back into heaven. <laughs> I'm judging whether that's a good idea. And so the tiny mid idea of separation, the tiny mid idea of judgment. So we're often running with that. And then, you know, there, there's basically two responses to that tiny mid idea that judgment is even possible, that I could be a thing that judges something else. And one of those, um, one of those reactions insists on that's impossible. The Son of God is really innocent. The course calls that the way the Holy Spirit sees the tiny mad idea of judgment, and, and that that we're still innocent, we're still God's one Son. That that idea of judgment is totally impossible. And then the. The ego's idea of judgment is that 
it's certainly not only possible, <laughs> but we actually pulled it off, at which point we look at that idea and we tell ourselves we're guilty of pull, pulling it off. We're no longer the innocent son of God, but we're this guilty thing that actually is separated from God, our father. And we believe it. We get ourselves to believe it. So judgment more than implies, you know, the verdict, <laughs> the verdict, the, the gavel slams down. The Holy Spirit never slams anything. <laughs> he just looks at that idea of separation, the idea of judgment, says, eh, it's impossible. Stop being silly. You're still one innocent son of God. The ego looks at that and slams the gavel down and goes, yes, sin, yes, guilt, yes, fear. <laughs> Often running with, with uh, you know, the, 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 12, the entire 12 jurors saying guilty, guilty as charged, and you will be punished. You are sinful, you are guilty, and you need to be afraid of your punishment at this point because you're going to be punished for pulling off the separation. The whole story of sin, guilt, and fear, which proves that not only did we we pull off the tiny man idea that we could be judgmental and judge something, but we actually did it, and now we're often running into this guilty state of separation, identifying with a separated ego. So, and then, uh, and then this, of course, this idea of yes, the Son of God is guilty. Yes, the Son of God separated gets projected on everything in the world. So we're on a constant, uh, incessant hunt for guilt. One of the key things about projection is, yeah, I'm looking for guilt, but not in me. <laughs> I'm looking for it in you. I projected my guilt onto you. I don't even know I did that. I projected this internal guilt of separating and believing I actually separated from God. And I have to find it in the world all the time. It's, a, it's, it's an obsessive, constant, crazy search for guilt. And then we pretend we're not doing that. <laughs> but in any given moment, just ask yourself, who's, who's your favorite bad guy? And believe me, if, if you're at all in ego mode, you won't have any problem coming up with at least do, a dozen figures in the dream that seem very real and seem very um, victimizing. So part of buying into this is when it gets projected into the world, it's just this nonstop search for guilt, this nonstop search to throw the gavel down and say, no, I'm not guilty, you are. And it goes on and on. It's why we watch the news. It's why we go to work. It's why we have families. It's why we have do anything in the world. If we're doing it with the ego, we've got to find guilt in our partner, in our families, in our children, in each other, in ourselves. The, the constant search for guilt. The constant search to slam down that gavel and say, guilty as charged. Look what you did. So the good news is all this is made up. <laughs> the bad news is we don't know it's made up. Until we start asking for help from Jesus or the Holy Spirit, the other the other judge, if you will, of the tiny man idea that says innocent, not guilty as charged, not guilty. God's son is still innocent. So any 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 questions about that at all at this point or thoughts or comments or anything? 
I'm sure none of us do this anymore, right? <laughs> we're not we're not on a constant search for guilt. Go ahead, Susie. Yeah, I'm doing that all the time, Tim. But you know, when you when you say we we uh, we made this guilt up and we don't realize that we made it up, and we ask Jesus' help to open our eyes to see the truth about it all. I'm just wondering, you know. <laughs> I'm not asking for a show of hands, but does anybody get there? Does anybody get there? Can I, I mean, I, I'm not going to stop trying, that's for sure. But I'm just wondering, is this something I just take one tiny step at a time and wait? But the, the thought in my head is, does anybody really get there? So... Yes, the good news is yes. <laughs> and the process is one step at a time. We start talking about the three steps of forgiveness. We start with the first step of forgiveness, where we think we are as a body in the world judging other bodies. We start with first step of forgiveness, you know, what if I'm not upset for the reason I think? I could also say, what if I'm not judging for the reason I think? What if, what if I'm not judging for the reason I think? I think it's because look what they did and they're going to do it again. And they did it yesterday. They're doing it now and they're sure to do it tomorrow. What if I'm not judging for the reason I think? What if I'm not pointing the finger that way and three fingers are actually being pointed right back at me? Meaning they didn't throw God away. That's not what I'm upset about. What if it's I did this? I threw the keys to the kingdom away. <laughs> They're not being taken from me. What if I threw them away? What if I threw Jesus out the window? It's almost like in any given moment, I think it's, it's possible to write down any specific that's bothering us about anybody and then cross out their name and put in my name and look at it from the point of view, is this what I'm doing to Jesus? I, I took the keys of the kingdom away from him. <laughs> they didn't take it from me. I said, no, you can't have me back. You can't have me back as a son of God. You can't enter my sanctuary of sin, guilt, and fear. You don't have access to that. You don't have access to this kingdom of God as me, as one son of God. I mean, you, you can almost like literally do that and begin to, begin to get a sense of, no, this isn't being done to me. This is what I think I'm doing to myself, my own innocence, to your innocence. And certainly I feel like I'm doing this to Jesus. And it's pretty specific. So I think that's where we start. Looking at maybe this is not being done to me, maybe. So the first step of forgiveness is maybe I'm not being judgmental for the reason I think. <laughs> maybe it's not got nothing to do with the other guy. So, yeah, there is a way back. And I think it works. I think today's lesson was all about that. The power of decision is my own. Meaning I have the power to elect this judge and jury, the ego, and look at my life and the world and everything in it. And then also look at this sense of myself from the ego's point of view, meaning gavel gets slammed down. I'm, I'm condemned as God's son because I left heaven. Look what I did. Or I can look at all this through the innocent eyes of the Holy Spirit and realize I am innocent. 
that's the power of decision. I get to decide which teacher I want in any given moment. I get to, to judge, if you will, either with this judge or this judge, this verdict of guilty or this verdict of innocence. First step doesn't say you're innocent, doesn't say your favorite bad guys are innocent. The, all it says is, what if they're innocent of making me feel terrible? Yeah, they're probably jerks in real life. <laughs> That's why we came here, the so-called real life. Everybody's a jerk here. Nobody's innocent. <laughs> bodies eat other bodies to stay alive. How is that innocent? It's horrible what we do to each other. Thank God it's a dream. And thank God Jesus will show us all that stuff's made up. But I don't start with that. I start with maybe I'm just not upset for the reason I think. Maybe I'm not judging for the reason I think. Any, any, anything on that, Susie? Are you okay with that one? Yeah, I'm good with that. Thanks. Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Go ahead, Jane. Thanks, Susie. I know Susie knows this, but we're already there. There's no getting to. <laughs> so we have to keep that in mind, even though it doesn't feel like that. But I think the first step is we're realizing um, of letting go of the guilt and, give, and getting into our mind so that we can understand that's where it comes from in the first place is our decision. And then we can take the second step, we can look at that and, and decide, well, this isn't gonna work if I keep this guilt in my mind or I don't forgive myself or this person. And it's that time the relief starts to come over that we know there's something to turn it over to. And that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't an entity. He just, he just helps us get rid of that deception that we have been provided with by the ego. Because when the ego, when the decision maker chooses the ego, everything is forgotten about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit kind of goes, look, you know, we have to remember that we have to get back to the Holy Spirit. But um, it, it's a good question. And it's not a harmful question. But on the other hand, it's a question of comparison. There's nothing that we don't need to compare anything about each other in this course or anything in the world because we are all one in in mind and we never left that the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit came. He's a memory of God's oneness. And that's what he brought into the what was brought into the illusion by God. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. At one point, you know, Ken, Ken would always say, or not at one point, but a lot, that the, the, the Holy Spirit teaches by comparison. So when we decide to have the ego as our teacher, how do we feel? Not good. <laughs> We're right, but are we happy? Probably not. <laughs> how do I feel when I, ask the, when I decide to ask the Holy Spirit to be, to be the judge, if you will, of this? Help me see it through your eyes, Holy Spirit. How do I feel? the the need for to be right goes right out the window and suddenly I just feel better <laughs> so that we're comparing when I decide for the ego how does that feel or when I decide for the Holy Spirit and I'm looking at all this crazy stuff how do I feel then and based on that feeling I decide hopefully the next time I won't linger here so long I'll be a little bit quicker on my toes <laughs> hopefully to as Holy Spirit to help me see it I decide for the Holy Spirit. That's the power of decision. Page 282 in the workbook. I wanted to do part of today's lesson 
um, as an opening meditation, page 282 in the workbooks. This is lesson 152. 152, and I'm on paragraph 8, 9, and 10. Paragraph 8, line 2, he repeats the title, The power of decision is our own. The power to decide which teacher I want to look at, which judge and jury I want to look at the situation through, through them. Who do I want to look at this with? The power of judgment in that case is my own. Do I want the judgment of the ego or do I want the judgment of the Holy Spirit? How do I feel when I choose one or the other? Um, he repeats it again in paragraph 10. The power of decision is our own. The power of judgment is my own. Not Tim as a Tim, but this internal sense of self going, am I going to listen to the ego here and keep on blaming, or am I willing to see maybe I'm not upset for the reason I think? That's where I start. Maybe I'm not judging for the reason I think. So paragraph 8, 9, and 10. Lynn, Corona, you want to read 8, 9, and 10? We'll get quiet for a little bit, please. And you're on mute, Lynn. They tell me in advance now. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, did you say 8, eight not what paragraphs, Tim? 8, eight, nine, eight, eight, nine, eight, nine, ten. 8, 9, 10. Got it. Let us today be truly humble and accept what we have made as what it is. The power of decision is our own. Decide but to accept your rightful place as co-creator of the universe and all you think you made will disappear. What rises to awareness then will be all that there ever was eternally as it is now. And it will take the place of self-deceptions made but to usurp the altar to the Father and the Son. Today, we practice true humility, abandoning the false pretense by which the ego seeks to prove it arrogant. Only the ego can be arrogant, but truth is humble and acknowledging its mightiness, its changelessness, and its eternal wholeness, all-encompassing God's perfect gift to his beloved son. We lay aside the arrogance, which says that we are sinners, guilty and afraid, ashamed of what we are and lift our hearts in true humility instead to him who has created us immaculate, like to himself in power and in love. The power of decision is our own. And we accept of him that which we are and humbly recognize the son of God. To recognize God's Son implies as well that all self-concepts have been laid aside and recognized as false. Their arrogance has been perceived, and in humility, the radiance of God's Son, His gentleness, His perfect sinlessness, 
his father's love, his right to heaven, and release from hell are joyously accepted as our own. Thanks. Thanks, Lynn. We'll get quiet for a little bit. Thank you. Uh, gently, gently come back. So just to look at the process of forgiveness in terms of guilty, innocent, our, our incessant search for guilt in the world, if we're listening to the ego as our teacher, um, first step of forgiveness. Maybe I'm not upset for the reason I think. What if that's true? Maybe I'm not judging whoever it is for the reason I think. Maybe there's something else going on. Second step of forgiveness is, I you know, I could see peace instead of this, lesson 34. I could see innocence instead of this, instead of this guilt that I see in the other person and I see in me too. I could see innocence instead of this. I could see a verdict of non-guilty instead of this guilt that I am seeing. Second step of forgiveness. Third step is, voila, I see innocence. <laughs> you're still a pain in the butt, but <laughs> I know that's not what you truly are. I know that's not what I truly am. I see innocence. I experience that. I feel it. And, you know, we don't have to plan any of this stuff. We just got to be willing to try it. Try it. Mikey likes it. You know, you got to kind of take it before you, you you know whether something's going to taste good or not. You got to give it a little chance. <laughs> got to put it in your mouth and chew on it a little bit. <laughs> See how you feel while you're chewing on it. So, you know, don't don't decide what the three steps of forgiveness are going to look like. Just try the first step. See where that takes you. What if I'm not judging you for the reason I think? What if something else is going on? Am I open to that possibility? And then when I begin to back up to this, <laughs> internal this, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm not the antichrist I might think I am. I'm not the home of evil, darkness, and sin that he talks about in Lesson 93 that I think I am. Maybe there's still innocence. You know, really, do we think Jesus would still be sticking around if we, we were, were really the antichrist? He would have split a long time ago. 
he's not going to hang out with the, any Christ. He is the Christ, for God's sake. Why would he hang out with, with the other? He didn't go anywhere. He still loves us. He knows we're making all this stuff up. So, you know, give peace a chance. Give Jesus a chance. <laughs> give this process of forgiveness a chance. Try it. Don't decide where it's going to take you. Just try it and see where it does take you. Yeah, so that's the three steps. Let, let's look at um in the manual, back in the manual. It's going to take me a little bit of time to frame all this stuff before I actually get to Ken's book. Back in the manual on page 12, this is a uh, section number four. What are the characteristics of God's teachers? I'm on uh, Roman numeral three, tolerance. Basically, tolerance, the opposite of uh, being judgmental. It's not like I tolerate you because even though you're a pain in the butt. I, I, true tolerance is when I get to that third step of forgiveness and I see innocence in you and I see innocence in me. That's what he's talking about here. We just don't jump to that. We've got to work through the process to get to that point. What he's describing here is an advanced teacher of God. He's talking about tolerance that the advanced teacher of God has already worked through the process of forgiveness for himself, and this is the third step of forgiveness. He's not judging anymore. He doesn't have to judge. He knows you're innocent, and he knows I'm innocent. So paragraph one. Rebecca, you want to read paragraph one under tolerance, please? Okay. Thanks. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Tolerance. God's teachers do not judge. To judge is to be dishonest, for to judge is to assume a position you do not have. Judgment without self-deception is impossible. Judgment implies that you have been deceived in your brothers. How then could you not have been deceived in yourself? Judgment implies a lack of trust, and trust remains the bedrock of the teacher of God's whole thought system. Let this be lost, and all his learning goes. Without judgment are all things equally acceptable, for who could judge otherwise? Without judgment are all men brothers, for who is there who stands apart? Judgment destroys honesty and shatters trust. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. Mm. This has to happen in my mind. This can't happen here. It's impossible here. I'm very aware that it is not possible here particularly aware today that it is not possible here <laughs> thank you thanks thanks rebecca and ken really points this out in many places certainly in the book um at the beginning of the book he's telling jesus is not telling us not to judge here he's saying this is a really nice place that you're going to get to once you learn to trust the holy spirit <laughs> you have to go through the six stages of trust before you get to this point where you hit this 
I don't judge anymore. I don't have to judge anymore. There's no reason to judge anymore. But to get there, I have to work through every stage, if you will, in the process of learning how to trust the Holy Spirit is we give them a chance. We go to them in each of those stages with the process of forgiveness and, and we ask them for help. Show, show me something different here. Show me what's really going on. If I'm not judging for the reason I think, show me what's going on. And then when I get back to that real reason I'm judging, so I don't take responsibility for what I think I did, help me see that maybe I didn't do that either. And then this, this tolerance happens. So we just don't jump there is what I'm saying. We, we take the very judgments we have and they become a classroom. They become stepping stones for the way back instead of stepping stones for the ego to keep us in hell. To keep us locked in thinking we know what the problem is. If only we fix it in the world, everything will be fine. Like Rebecca said, this is all going on in my mind. The process of forgiveness helps me back up if you will, into my mind so that I can see what's really happening with the Holy Spirit's help. So, and, you know, we've been through this 8 million times in different ways, but certainly Jesus can, today in this series, we're, we're looking at it from the point of view of judgment. Yeah, thanks, Becca. Any, any anything so far? Alrighty. Go ahead, Aris. Thank you. I'm so aware that I do judge. Aris judges all the time. Uh, however, the the person, the part of Aris that is able to remember to ask help and uh, with the Holy Spirit, I just watch myself judge all day. <laughs> I can I can step back with Holy Spirit and watch myself judge because Oris is going to judge from the minute she is born till the minute she dies. And uh, Oris, I'm not here to uh, change Oris. I'm here to learn to be with Holy Spirit or to be the observer, the, uh, the decision maker, to become aware that I'm a decision maker and that I can watch myself with Holy Spirit judging and the ego doesn't like to do that <laughs> uh, but I'm, we're not here to become holy egos or uh, happy egos we're here as far as my understanding of the course to watch ourselves I mean we can't learn how not like you said Tim it's a it's a fertile field we, to watch ourselves judging all the time without judging ourselves. <laughs> but the only way we can do that is with the Holy Spirit. And there is a peace in that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Arise. Back in that paragraph 10 that Lynn read from lesson, today's lesson, he said to recognize God's son to have an experience of what's really going on, to recognize God's son implies as well that all self-concepts have been laid aside and recognized as false. The first self-concept with we deal with is I'm an Aris, I'm a Tim, and I'm affected by all these other crazies in the world <laughs> with names too. They've all got names. I think I'm a body that can be affected. That's the first self-concept I lay down 
without even knowing it when I say maybe I'm not upset for the reason I think. Maybe I'm not upset because I'm a 10 being affected by whoever. Maybe something else is going on internally. And then this self-concept ultimately gets laid down, which was causing my preoccupation with believing this self-concept that I was a body. So in a sense, first I lay down and I'm willing to experience something else besides maybe I'm not a body being affected by other bodies. Here, maybe I'm not a separated son of God being affected by what I did. I left heaven. I separated. Maybe I'm not a separate son of God. Maybe I'm not an ego. Maybe I'm not the antichrist. Those are the self-concepts we're laying down. It looks linear. You really can't have your self-concept as a body without this happening. And you really can't have this happening without projecting it like hell onto your poor body <laughs> and everybody else's body. <laughs> but, we, you know, we start with where we think we are. That's what we, we're walking up through this. We're backing into this awareness that maybe what I think is going on isn't what's going on. What I, the way I'm judging what seems to be going on in the world may not be what's really what really needs to be judged. Ultimately, I realize nothing needs to be judged. <laughs> I don't have to judge you, and then internally, I don't have to judge me. David, how you doing with all this stuff? If you want to talk, great. And if not, that's fine too. <laughs> uh. I'm uh, appreciating it. The, the question is, uh, there's a difference between judgment and observation. Any thoughts on that, David? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> you can maybe call it keen observation. <laughs> right, right. Well, interesting there's here. good observation, there's bad observation. <laughs> There's e ego observation, there's Holy Spirit observation. Once again, it's not, am I observing? It's once again, it's who am I observing with? Is all, that's the power I have to decide who I'm observing with. Yeah. Yeah. So choose once again. Last section in the whole text. <laughs> choose once again. Go from here to here. <laughs> Spends 31 chapters just to say, choose once again. <laughs> yeah the power of deciding which teacher is my own yeah all right thanks david anybody else good jane for me when I, I know when i'm judging is when i feel really yucky if i'm just observing i just feel tear, uh, peaceful because i think that's the miracle it's changing my perception back to the holy spirit and there's no there is no bad feelings in that so mainly it's when i'm judging i just feel really yucky and i know i'm judging and i know that i need to turn that over because the ego because the holy spirit does not judge he sees it only as a call for love or a call for expressing love so i just have to put that right back up there in the right place in my mind <laughs> Thank you. And Jesus is nice about it. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely true. If I'm feeling anything that's not peaceful, whether it, the whole gamut, 
from feeling a little bit irritated to depressed to angry to furious to whatever. Yes, it, it should become an obvious that I'm judging with the ego. I'm, I'm certainly not looking at all this stuff with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't might not know what that looks like. I probably don't even want to see anybody with the Holy Spirit at that point. I just want to be right. However, that gets old. <laughs> After a while, it just hurts. After a while, we're willing to lay it down for a little while. So yeah, so in a sense, in my judging with the ego, if I'm not feeling peaceful at all, if anything's going on that doesn't feel like peace, then heck yeah. If I'm not seeing you as innocent as me and as innocent, well, what's blocking it? <laughs> Every judgment I'm making it. What blocks the third step of forgiveness are all the judgments I'm making about you in the world. And ultimately, internally, all the judgments I'm making about me inside as a separated son of God. Judgment with the ego rules at that point. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good test. How do I feel? Am I judging with the ego? I'll feel terrible or I'll feel slightly off, whatever it is. I won't feel peaceful. I won't see people as innocent. I won't see me as innocent. Yeah. Thanks, Jane. Lori, follow my notes. Okay, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to talk about. I think it's hard. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's interesting or it's, it's, all these synonyms start flying when you're looking at the word judgment, kind of courtroom scenes over and over and over in my head. And it, there's this incessant search for justice. There's the ego's justice, which says, I got to find who the guilty party is and they should be punished. And that's certainly the world's justice is that's what we do. Our whole legal system is based on find out who's guilty, throw them in jail. <laughs> That's the world's sense of idea of justice. In a manual number 19, so on page 49, Jesus goes through this whole idea of what is justice. What is demanding our judgment right this moment? Who's the guilty party? I have to slam the gavel on and they need to be punished. They need to go to jail. Uh, earlier, um, Somewhere we just read, or will read. There's oh, actually it's here. <laughs> there's no justice. There's no and there. There's no justice or injustice in heaven. The demand for justice only happens when there's there's seeming injustice. Whatever's going on in heaven, whatever that experience of oneness is, it doesn't contain judgment. It doesn't contain a need for just justice. There's nothing unfair in heaven. Unfair is another huge synonym, synonym that comes up. What's unjust here? What's unfair? <laughs> Look how unfair they're being. Look how they're robbing me of my innocence. Huge unfair. Huge cry for uh, justice, punishment. <laughs> Vengeance is mine, saith the ego. <laughs> Vengeance doesn't exist, saith God. There's no reason for it. <laughs> you don't have to find justice. Justice is, is, is only necessary. And God's form of justice is the son of God. Everybody's innocent already. 
what bodies do or don't do don't make any difference. And I'll show you that's true. That's the Holy Spirit's form of justice. Everybody's equally innocent in spite of what's going on in the world. That's justice from the Holy Spirit's point of view. But anyway, page 49 this is number 19 in the Manual for Teachers, paragraph one. Julie, you want to read that? Yes. All right. Justice is the divine correction for injustice. Injustice is the basis for all the judgments of the world. Justice corrects the interpretation to which injustice gives rise and cancels them out. Neither justice nor injustice exists in heaven, for error is impossible and correction meaningless. In this world, however, forgiveness depends on justice, since all attack can only be unjust. Justice is the Holy Spirit's verdict upon the world. Except in his judgment, justice is impossible, for no one in the world is capable of making only just interpretations and laying all injustices aside. If God's Son were fairly judged, there would be no need for salvation. The thought of separation would have been forever inconceivable. You okay with that, Julie? Well, I'm resonating with that it seems impossible for me not to have judgments here. I don't know that I understand the whole thing. Do you like the way the Holy Spirit judges everybody as innocent? Yes. <laughs> you do? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it, gives, it gives me hope. <laughs> yeah, right. Does that include me too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, if we have a, a healthy ego sense of not wanting to burn up, <laughs> we have to appreciate that, right? So once again, you know, I mean, the ego has, has a field day trying to get ourselves to stop judging. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Ken and the Course are not trying to get us to stop judging. They're just trying to take our judgments and take those judgments to the Holy Spirit to help us look at those judgments a different way. So, I mean, they really do become the classroom back if we're willing to take them to the Holy Spirit. So don't even worry about trying to stop judging. That's the third step of forgiveness. We start with just how judgmental we are every second, and we take any one of those judgments to the Holy Spirit, and we go, you're telling me something else is going on. I don't think so. But you know, I'm from Missouri. Show me, show me something else here. You know, I'm I'm oh I'm open to it for a few seconds. <laughs> I know I'm right, but I don't feel so good. So don't try to throw your judgments out the window. Don't try to sob, oh God, I'm judging again. I'm judging again. You know, it's like it's like a reset. We we <laughs> we identify with bodies, so we can judge. That's what that's what's going on. That's where I want to start. 
what if I'm not upset for the reason I think? What if this judgment really isn't about what I think it is? So I take the very judgment I'm having. Don't deny I have it and don't try not to have it, but take it to the Holy Spirit. So Julie, Julie's judgments. I'm going to write a book about Julie's judgments. <laughs> I want them itemized. <laughs> take Julie's judgments to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Thanks, Julie. Sakina, I want to know, are you all right with this Holy Spirit saying everybody's innocent? Justice is the Holy Spirit's verdict upon the world. Does that include you know who? <laughs> all right. We're rock and rolling today, boy. <laughs> all right. Very good. I'm finally learning. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all a little hard at it. This takes a while. <laughs> Jesus has been trying for a long time to get us to wake up, <laughs> but he doesn't give up. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty patient. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Akina. All right. Paragraph two. Stephen, you want to do it? Please. Certainly. Let me get to it here. Okay. Justice, like its opposite, is an interpretation. It is, however, the one interpretation that leads to truth. This becomes possible, possible because it is not true in itself. Justice includes nothing that opposes truth. There is no inherent conflict between justice and truth. One is but the first small step in the direction of the other. The path becomes quite different as one goes along. Nor could all the magnificence, the grandeur of the scene, and the enormous opening vistas that rise to meet one as the journey continues be foretold from the outset. Yet even these, whose splendor reaches indescribable heights as one proceeds, fall short indeed of all that wait when the pathway ceases and time ends with it. But somewhere one must start. Justice is the beginning. And we're on page 49, by the way, in the manual. Manual for Teachers, page 49, paragraph two. Go ahead, Steve, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, this is a this is kind of like uh, perfect guidance uh, uh, for for me. Uh, I was I was thinking about uh, you, you know uh, forgiveness looks and waits and judges not. You know what that means, Stephen? No, not really too much. But I have an idea about it. Uh, yeah, if if uh, if I don't judge, I don't perceive. I don't project. If I don't judge. Uh, um, the innocence, innocence uh, um, just stays where it has been all along. Uh, and I, I want to say that I choose Holy Spirit or Jesus, and then I go that way, but it doesn't work that way for me. I go to decision maker, and if I'm, I, I, I look, I believe it in this way. If I'm, if I'm willing, if I'm genuine, uh, I'm sincere. In wanting to get to the right mind, 
I'm really kind of already there. And once I'm there, Holy Spirit and Jesus are with me. But another thing about this is it happens all at once. And it seems sequenced to me. It seems like Holy Spirit comes along after the willingness. Um, but, you know, it could, you can circle it back around uh, and it, it, it turns out to be all the same thing. And I really don't know how to talk about that in words. Uh, but um, I, I just do what Watnick says uh, when I remember it. And I do what Jesus says when I, re I remember it. And the one I've been thinking about most is uh, um, I, I want to be in the right mind, looking at the wrong mind without judgment. Um, that's coming up over and over. And for quite a while now, every day I just ask to be taught. I don't know what I want to be taught. Sometimes I'm choosing things. I'd like to know forgiveness today, or I'd like to know what what it is about this anger that's coming in. You know, sometimes it's got some in the world stuff. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but uh, this course, uh, I'm I'm learning it in a way that I guess we're all doing it the same way. Meaning, when it gets there, it gets there. <laughs> you know, I I just I just here recently uh, started understanding uh, um, guilt. For, for the whole time, uh, I'm not really understanding that part. But then that sentence came up that I keep talking about, teach no one that they've hurt you. And I started looking at who I do that with, and I realized it's everybody. You know, if you if you do any little thing, uh, you know, I'm going to show you that. that you know, but anyway, because I realized that, I've, uh, I've asked to be taught, um, uh, teach only love, for that is what you are. I guess that'll do it. Boom, like that. All right, thanks. So that that next to last sentence, we got to start somewhere, but somewhere one must start, and we start with at least admitting that every time I make a judgment about anything or anybody, I'm saying you did hurt me. I'm not teaching you that you did didn't hurt me. I'm teaching you did. And I'm judging you for it. Look what you did. You hurt me. So that's where we start. I think I'm a body and I think your body hurt my body. That's where we start. And then the so the first justice is, what if all this guilt I'm laying on that thing that I think hurt me isn't responsible for the pain I'm feeling? What if I'm not upset for the reason I think? What if I'm not feeling terrible for the reason I think? What if it's got nothing to do with them at all? That's the first justice I start with. The first act of justice is I'm willing to stop teaching you for a moment that you hurt me and I'm willing to possibly look at and own, maybe I am doing this to myself, though I don't believe it. Why would I do anything that's stupid? But what if that's true? Am I willing to back up to that? Am I willing to see that you're not hurting me? I'm just hurting myself and that's and I'm blaming it on you. Teach no one that you will that they don't hurt you. Well, I, you know, that's pretty much the third step of forgiveness. The way I get there is, well, what if they're I don't know about the I don't think they're innocent, but they might not be the source of my pain. They might not be hurting me. And every judgment I have screams, you did this. You are hurting me. What if that's not true? Teach no one that, you know, that they're hurting you. When I get to that third step of forgiveness, that'll just happen. 
I'll teach everybody. They're innocent. They're innocent. I'm innocent. We're all still okay. Nobody's hurting anybody. We're all still the son of God. But to get there, <laughs> I start with admitting my judgment insists you're hurting me. Am I willing to look at that? And if that's not true, am I willing to look at something else that may be responsible for it? That's where we start. But somewhere one must start. <laughs> You're hurting me. And my judgment insists that's true. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Stephen. Anybody on that? Already. Maya. You ready to do, why don't you do it line by line, paragraph three? <laughs> Happy to do it. Thanks. All right. Where all concepts of your brothers, no, let me start again. All concepts of your brothers and yourself, all fears of future states, and all concerns about the past stem from injustice. So, yeah, my comment about that is everything that we conceive of about our brothers comes from judging them. Every fear of the future comes from our judgment about the future or the past. All concerns about the past stem from injustice. So they all come from our perception our egoic perception that injustice has been done to us if we're projecting yeah and you were unfair you hurt me <laughs> yeah that it's treated us unfairly here is the lens which held before the body's eyes distorts perception and brings witness of the distorted world back like the hungry dogs of fear back to the mind that made the lens and holds it very dear. <laughs> it devours the lens saying, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> How delicious. Good girl, mm, tasty. <laughs> oh, this distorted perception is just delicious, yeah. <laughs> My daughter, oh, it's, what was it in the, um, the uh the golem or some character who said my precious this is like my precious guilt <laughs> yeah yeah selectively and arbitrarily is every concept of the world built up in just this way so we we relish our egos hungry dogs relish each arbitrary and selective decision you know slamming down the gavel i declare this unjust and i'm and i'm god and i'm playing the part of the judge the ego's judge sins are perceived and justified by careful selectivity in which all thought of wholeness must be lost so the more that we splinter into parts, the more we fragment, the more we shatter wholeness, the more affected is our concept of the world built. Sins, in quotes, are perceived and justified by careful selectivity in which all thought 
of wholeness must be lost. So wholeness is out the window. We must fragment. We must uh, split into parts. The more, the better to keep you know, this going, to keep this alive. Forgiveness has no place in such a scheme. For not one sin, but seems forever true. So every single sin is held in devotional reverence by the ego as being true. This is a picture for incredible and perpetual misery. It's just the perfect, it's the perfect storm, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I like that. No, I don't like it, but I mean, yeah, you're... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Maya. All right. Well, we'll return to these sections on judgment and justice um, down the road. Um, I wanted to uh, right now look at some of Ken's seminars, and I'll bring this up later on in, in future classes. Um, this is the one that the book's actually taken from, but to judge or not to judge, it was a seminar Ken did back, back in 2013. Uh, God knows if I was there, I have no idea. <laughs> to judge or not to judge. But anyway, the book was um, the manuscript for this seminar, or uh, what do they call it when they make a script out of it? That. Tim, I have a question. Was that, that was during the last year of his life, yeah? Yeah, you're right, now that I'm thinking about it. And I can't tell, um, um, no, I take it back. This was published, sorry, in 2013. Okay. It yeah. came out in June, 1990, 1990. Oh, okay. oh it was early, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, and I'm guessing, and I'm not sure, that may have been in Roscoe, at the time, but I'm not sure about that. Okay, and then he has this good little set from the early days. This is from June 1992, The Meaning of Judgment. This is like a two-disc set. Um, I listened to this over and over and over again in the early days. Um, in his little books, Ken's little books on the healing power of kindness, the first one was actually subtitled Releasing judgment, the healing power of kindness, another approach to it. In terms of justice and dealing with justice, this one, the justice of heaven. <laughs> Meaning, you know, there's no need for justice in heaven. <laughs> it's the gist of it, the justice of heaven. And this also, same idea, justice returned to love. So there's a bunch of stuff on judgment and justice, et cetera, et cetera. Those are some of them. He had another seminar, and I thought, sure, I had it, but I can't find it. So I had to order it again. <laughs> I got to have it all, right? <laughs> it, it's called Letting Go of Judgment. Letting Go of Judgment. So I'm not sure when that seminar took place. Lots of good stuff. <laughs> Just give you an idea of possibilities. Um, today, we're going to be working on this. Uh, this. <laughs> So any questions about those, those guys, those seminars? All right, uh, the back cover 
of this book. Lisa, you ready? I'm reading the back cover of the book, right? Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Man, look at that. A purple heart. <laughs> it's vi it's violets and a heart. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> All right, I'm reading. This is important. Ready? Okay. This book is based on a workshop presenting the teachings of A Course in Miracles on Judgment, emphasizing the idea that we are asked not to give up judging, but rather to give up our investment in believing we are capable of making our own judgments. A line-by-line -line commentary on Lesson 151, All Things Are Echoes of the Voice for God, forms the basis for exploring the Course's principles regarding judgment and the process of allowing the Holy Spirit or Jesus to judge all things for us. The edited transcript, transcript is not verbatim to the edited audio recording of the same title. There you go. Very good. Back cover. <laughs> That's the back cover. That's the gist. <laughs> and then page one in the book itself. Lisa, please. Oh. <laughs> The entire page one uh, introduction. All the way down right. to the bold, I think. Already down to what? The bold. The... All, all the way to the bold. Okay. Yeah, right. Introduction, judgment and the authority problem. The title of the workshop, to judge or not to judge, is obviously taken from the famous line from Hamlet, to be or not to be. Unfortunately, this is not what the right question is. Because as we will be talking about later on, we cannot avoid judging. And the real question is not whether we judge or do not judge, but with whom do we make our judgments? Do we make them with the ego or the Holy Spirit? I think one of the confusions many students of the Course have is in thinking that when the Course says not to judge, it means not to make judgments such as what I am going to eat tonight or what color suit or dress I am going to put on, or where I'm going to spend my weekend or with whom. That is not what the Course is talking about. What it means, again, by not judging, is not to condemn and not to attack. Clearly, if the Holy Spirit is our guide in judgment, then what we judge will not be an attack. And when the Holy Spirit is not our guide, and the ego is our guide, which really are the only choices open to us, then it must be an attack. And we will spend a lot of time this weekend talking about that. Oh, that's good. The next paragraph is just an introduction to the Okay. Okay. Any, any thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, who are we judging with? That's, I mean, that's the main thing. And when I think of judging, I think of it's ego always ego it's condemning and attacking so i don't even know what judging with the holy spirit would look like frankly because that's not what i do when i judge yeah i don't think i can judge without the holy spirit without it being an attack I just had this thought, if you don't know whether you're judging with the Holy Spirit or the ego, ask Julie. She'll tell you. 
I mean, really, it's a whole lot easier for somebody else to be objective about it. I mean, when we're judging with the ego, I mean, how how not objective are we? <laughs> Who wants to admit I'm judging with my ego? <laughs> but you ask somebody else to go, oh, yeah, it's all right. I still love you anyway, which is what Jesus always says. Yeah, you're judging with the ego, but I still love you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Once again, it's not, don't try to stop judging. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Just start taking our judgments that we already have to the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. Okay. That's good. Thanks, Lisa. All right. I wanted to look at in the book where he's mentioning, um, one of the first places he really discusses judgment is in chapter three, it's on page 47 in the text. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, page four, well, actually page 46. I wanna start on page 46. Um, and it's section six, judgment and the authority problem. And uh, paragraph one, two, and three. Paragraph one, two, and three. Donna, you feel like reading paragraph one, page 46 in the text, paragraph one. Yes, I just have to get to it. Sure. Section six, judgment and the authority problem. We have already discussed the last judgment but in insufficient detail. After the last judgment, there will be no more. <clears throat> judgment is symbolic because beyond perception, there is no judgment. When the Bible says, judge not that ye be not judged, it means that if you judge the reality of others, you will be unable to avoid judging your own. Oh, one more, Donna, please. The choice to judge rather than to know is the cause of the loss of peace. Judgment is a process on which perception, but not knowledge rests. I have discussed this before in terms of the selectivity of perception, pointing out that evaluation is its obvious prerequisite. Judgment always involves rejection. It never emphasizes only the positive aspects of what is judged, whether in you or in others, what has been perceived and rejected or judged and found wanting remains in your mind because it has been perceived. One of the illusions from which you suffer is the belief that what you judged against has no effect. This cannot be true unless you are also believe that what you judged against does not exist. You evidently do not believe this, or you'd not have judged against it. In the end, it does not matter whether your judgment is right or wrong. Either way, you are placing your belief in the unreal. This cannot be avoided in any type of judgment, because it implies a belief that reality is yours to select from. That's good. Any thoughts or questions, Donna? You know, right before turn to this section I was thinking about uh, the painting of the last judgment in the Vatican so it's a very famous Michelangelo painting 
and the, the good people are being welcomed into heaven and the bad people are, you know, going down into the pit or wherever. And it seems to me that all the systems of the world are positioned to align us to judge and to judge unfairly and to judge with malice in our hearts. Even, even great works of art that we would think, oh my gosh, it's a great work of art, is positioned that way. And so, you know, we shouldn't be shocked when we do a judgment. It's, it's lined up, it's set up that way. It's how it is. And so when you step out and you say, hey, I can, I can look at this again with the Holy Spirit, it's so liberating in a way. It's just, it's just lighting, lightening up because you don't have to be in that system of cruelty, hatred, malice. You don't have to be in there. You can step out. And so that illusion can be let go. Incrementally, I realize, but still it has to start somewhere. And that's justice. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Thanks, Donna. Yeah, we, I mean, what that section that Stephen read in the manual, I mean, we don't even know the vistas, the unbelievable freedom we're going to experience. We just want to stop feeling the pain of judging. I mean, that'd be a nice relief. But then, like the freedom that opens up in seeing a whole new world, a real world, not based on judgment, is exquisite. We don't even know how good it's going to be till we start doing this stuff. So, yeah. The last judgment, certainly from the Course's point of view, from Jesus's point of view in the Course, is everybody's going to heaven. If Michelangelo had everybody going to heaven, <laughs> he would have been on the ball. <laughs> it's not just there, you know, there's nobody, there's no hell. There's no hell where people are going to go. Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's already in heaven pretending they're not in heaven. So, the, you know, if I'm looking at the world through the eyes of guilt, I got to see guilt. I got to see people going to hell. I got to see people being punished. The whole, the whole world is like, I think you said, Donna, is based on that. There's got to be guilty parties. Otherwise, where, where am I going to put my guilt? <laughs> I mean, guilt has a purpose in the world. It's where I put my own guilt. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is paragraph two. I mean, there's the opposite of that. I mean, he's really talking about ego judgment. The choice, paragraph two, the, to judge with the ego rather than to know or rather than to judge with the Holy Spirit is the cause of the loss of peace. If once again, going back to what Jane was saying, if I'm not feeling anything that feels not peaceful, well, there's slight irritation or outright fury, it's simply because I'm caught up in judgment and I don't even admit it. The choice to judge with the ego is the cause of the loss of my own peace, period. Not in some cases, in all cases. <laughs> once again, I think Jane was saying, if I'm not feeling peaceful, I got to be judging. And I don't even want to look at that I am judging. And so that, that whole description through here of judgment is certainly from the ego's point of view. Paragraph two, line four, judgment with the ego always involves rejection. You're to blame. You're separate from me. You should be punished. It never emphasizes only the positive aspects of what is judged. Well, he's not talking about good and bad there. 
He's just talking about everybody's already innocent. That's what the Holy Spirit says, sees. But the whole, the ego always judges, this is right, this is wrong, and, and you're wrong. <laughs> you're the one that should be punished for what you did wrong. There's got to be a hierarchy of right and wrong with the ego. Otherwise, nobody gets punished. <laughs> the positive aspects are all the Holy. The Holy Spirit only sees the positive. He only sees innocence. But I got to be willing to go there and ask him for help to do that. Yeah. And then the whole rest of the paragraph, <laughs> line six, what has been perceived and rejected when I judge with the ego or judged and found wanting remains in my mind because it has been perceived, meaning everything I see in the world is reinforcing this unrecognized state of me identifying with my own guilt. If I'm seeing guilt in the world, it has to be a reflection of my own guilt. If I'm not feeling peaceful in the world, it has to be a reflection of my own guilt. Yeah. All right, Betsy. You get paragraph three. You ready? <laughs> Thanks, Doug. I am. On page 47. Sure, unless there's another paragraph three, you rather just, it also just, the same thing anyway. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Okay. <laughs> you have no idea of the tremendous release and deep peace that comes from meeting yourself and your brothers totally without judgment. When you recognize what you are and what your brothers are, you will release, realize that judging them in any way is without meaning. In fact, their meaning is lost to you precisely because you are judging them. All uncertainty comes from the belief that you are under the coercion of judgment. You do not need judgment to organize your life. And you certainly do not need it to organize yourself. In the presence of knowledge, all judgment is automatically suspended. And this is the process that enables recognition to replace perception. Well, there's a lot in there. And um, I, and what what I hear or what's what's kind of resonating with me as far as what's been going on for me is just realizing, you know, that first line, that tremendous release and deep peace. Just the last few days, I've been thinking, you know, if I could. Well, I guess the realization that this ego, these ego thoughts that I have, this constant judgment that I have is so heavy, you know, that, that, you know, I wake up and it already feels heavy. And, and the idea that there could be lightness, which is what that first line says, um, 
I, I, you know, I, I find lightness in that sentence because without, you know, with outside of that sentence or lines like that, you know, I just feel, I feel really burdened. So I'm, I'm really grateful for those things. Thanks. Thanks. It really is a reiteration of that paragraph. Once again, that Stephen read the tremendous release, the incredible vistas of peace that we'll see the freedom from all this judge, judging constantly, incessantly, et cetera. But I knew this guy in 12 steps. <laughs> he was, they're all characters, but he was quite the character. He said the very first thing he had to do in the morning when he woke up was to hit his knees. Like not even make it to the bathroom <laughs> if he could, but just hit his knees right away and surrender all the craziness he was feeling to, in this case, his higher power, but in our case, to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, and then like, Jesus, you got to take all this crazy because <laughs> I can't stop being crazy. You got to help me look at it. You don't even have to help me stop judging, but I mean, just help me look and see my judgments aren't based on anything real. And then go to the bathroom <laughs> and then come back and talk some more. But yeah, getting out of bed in the morning is tough. <laughs> some days, some days it's really tough. Yeah. But, you know, just, you know, as soon as we get it together, it's like, instead of, oh God, it's morning, you know, we learn to say, good morning, Jesus, and actually mean it. <laughs> Not, oh Jesus, it's morning. <laughs> oh God, I got to do this again. Oh no, hey. Jesus, good morning. Excuse me for a second. I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> or you can come with me. I don't care. You see everything anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks. Thanks, Betsy. Whew. So uh, let's actually um, look at Ken's comments on at least that that section. Um, I'm on page one again, the bold in this book. Lorraine, you want to read that one, please? That one paragraph with the bold heading, please. You have no idea of the tremendous release and deep peace that comes from meeting yourself and your brothers totally without judgment. Without judgment here means without seeing someone else as separate, without attacking or condemning. I think that this line is extremely important to always keep in mind. It is Jesus's way of reminding us that we have no idea of the gain to us when we are able to give up our judgments and our attack thoughts. If we are truly serious about finding the peace of God, then the only way we can find that peace and experience that peace and his love is to give up judgment. In effect, we could say that the whole Course in Miracles, one of its major purposes is to show us first how we are judging all the time and not judging with love, and then to give us the means whereby we can change our minds about these judgments. Oh, you might as well finish that next, those next two paragraphs. 
please. When you recognize what you are and what your brothers are, which is really that we are all part of the same Christ, you will realize that judging them in any way is without meaning. In fact, their meaning is lost to you precisely because you are judging them. We'll see in just a minute, as I discuss the origin of judgment, that the whole purpose and motivation in back of our judgments and holding onto grievances and choosing right from wrong and dividing up the world into good versus evil, etc., etc., the whole motivation in that is precisely to keep the true meaning of ourselves hidden from us. And that meaning is that we are all one in Christ. That remembrance is what the Course refers to as the atonement principle, namely that the separation from God never really, never truly happened. Our judgments are not something that occur to us or that spontaneously arise in our minds. Rather, our judgments are things that we choose specifically to further our identity with the ego and to attack the Holy Spirit's love in our mind again, which is a love that sees all people as being one. That's good. Thanks, Lorraine. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking how, you know, we did that section on joining and how when we're judging, we're doing the opposite of joining. <laughs> and that if we're joining, there's no judgment. And that's like the beauty that we experience when we, when we join. And then also what came to me was um, when Donna was saying, or somebody was saying about heaviness, I think she left. Um, I was just thinking how when we have these judgments, it's like this heavy, heavy pack that we're throwing on somebody else. And it's this, bur it's the burden, like, you know, so that's why it feels so heavy, like carrying this burden. I don't want it. So I'm going to give you the burden. <laughs> and uh, so if we can let go of that burden, we feel, we feel lighter. Yeah, yeah I, I never thought of that judging versus joining. That's good. Um, I think the way Beth, I, I thought it was Beth who was doing it, uh, approached it, joining versus versus um, conflict, joining versus um, not a, a not peaceful experience, but but certainly judging versus joining, it even sounds alliterated. <laughs> That's good. I like that. And it's hard to judge when you're joining. I mean... <laughs> Your focus on joining it kind of makes it a little bit difficult to judge. I mean, you can, especially in form, but <laughs> ask, ask Chris about his trip to the Nashville with his favorite loving partner in golf. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, we can join in form and still throw a fit, but I mean, also it's an opportunity to actually join in the mind with that person if we just invite it. So. Yeah. You got any thoughts? Thanks, Lorraine. Any thoughts, Chris? Yeah, um, that line, and funny you should bring that up about my special hate relationship, <laughs> because um, 
that, um, well, we have no idea. This is the release we'll feel. I, I had uh, the experience too of uh, feeling like I had had uh, let go of this or released it or forgiven this relationship. Uh, friend, foe, yeti, yeti, yeah. But I think what I had really done was just one layer of the onion ring, meaning uh, John is his name. And I I still think I was doing kind of release, uh, forgiving him from my ego because I was still releasing all these feelings, but feeling also that I'm better than him, that I didn't have all those qualities. And I felt like I was better than him because he drove me. It really was bothering me so much. I kept thinking about it, mulling it over. And during one of our uh, uh, classes here, it intellectually it hit me, but it also on a uh, on a uh, I guess emotional level, I felt that uh, uh, a peace and at one with him, and that there were we weren't different at all. We were both sons of God, and it that that felt a lot different than me just kind of verbally saying, "Well, I, I could let this go." So uh, that line, you you won't you can't imagine the peace and joy you will feel when you give up judgments. And, and I, I did feel that. And I, I still do. And it, it's the wonderful thing about it is it, it uh, carries over to, uh, um, all, all, all you crazy people out there and every place else, you know, <laughs> on an ego level or all the judgments I make about you, it, you guys are a lot easier to feel the oneness with. But if, if I felt like if I could do it here, and I, it was I, 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 there was no I in it, really. It was just like, this is what life is. There's no difference. Uh, and that's wonderful. It's not like, shoot, there's no difference. I mean, it was a, it was a beautiful uh, feeling. And uh, I think maybe that's why we're asked to, to search for that person that is our, um, our special hate person, because uh, it just releases so much. Uh, grievances and, and hate in myself thank you good thanks thanks chris a lot of j's tonight do i want to join john or judge john do i want to uh join with julie or judge julie <laughs> j's are flying everywhere tonight <laughs> pick a j <laughs> you want to join with that j or judge that j <laughs> yeah Julie the judger or Julie the joiner. <laughs> what do I want to be tonight? <laughs> That's good. Good. Yeah, thanks. The relationship to anger and judging is a big one. It's hard to kind of justify our uh, judging unless we get ticked off about it. <laughs> and the more we get ticked off about it, the more we feel right. So as a closing, this is lesson 347, 347. It's on page 477. So it's not just some judging, but there's usually, uh, you know, some irritation involved, if not outright anger, if not outright fury. And he's saying, um, in this case, he's just lining it up. Lesson 347, page 477, anger must come from judgment. As soon as I judge that you're separate from me and you're hurting me, teach no one that they can hurt you. When I'm teaching you, I, 
one of the ways I teach you that you're hurting me is I get mad. I get really mad. <laughs> Anger comes from judgment, from saying you hurt me. You did something unfair. Judgment is the weapon I would use ultimately against myself to keep the miracle away, to keep the peace away, to keep innocence away. For me, not just you, but me. That's the weapon we use. And that's what that lesson's all about. All right. Luana, you feel like reading lesson 347? Please. Lesson 347. Anger must come from judgment. Judgment is the weapon I would use against myself to keep the miracle away from me. Paragraph one, Father, I want what goes against my will and do not want what is my will to have. Straighten my mind, my Father, it is sick, but you have offered freedom and I choose to claim your gift today. And so I give all judgment to the one you gave to me to judge for me. He sees what I behold, and yet he knows the truth. He looks on pain, and yet he understands it is not real. And in his understanding, it is healed. He gives the miracles my dreams would hide from my awareness. Let him judge today. I do not know my will, but he is sure it is your own. And he will speak for me and call your miracles to come to me. That's so beautiful. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you. I'll read one more. <laughs> the two sentences. Listen today part. Okay. Listen today. Be very still and hear the gentle voice for God assuring you that he has judged you as the son he loves. Very good. Thanks, Luana. We'll get quiet for a little bit. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for helping us all to open up this new series. Thanks for being here, David. We love you.
We love you and Anne. It's good to have both of you here, actually. <laughs> I feel it. Very yeah. good. You're on mute, David, if you want to unmute. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Appreciated the session today. Yeah, good to have you here, David. So good to be to have you here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. We night? all love you, David. We're standing <laughs> right with you. Yeah. Standing you so right with you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it very much. I feel Anne smiling. I see her right yeah. behind. <laughs> she's, she's, she, Anne would always give me a hard time. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Actually, I tried to give her a hard time. <laughs> the word I got about her was that if I knew what she was really going through, I would be very envious. Oh, <laughs> oh that's good. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> really? All right. Thanks, David. We love you, Ann. We love you, David. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, thank you. God bless.